0: You're listening to the Inspire Excellence Podcast, recorded at the BVA headquarters with your hosts, Kevin Miller and Tommy Alquist. Each episode is focused on shedding new light on different perspectives to create dialogue that inspires excellence.
1: Welcome once again to the Inspire Excellence Podcast, Tommy Alquist, Kevin Miller, and we've got a really special guest
2: today, sir. Kevin, we are honored today to have Congressman Russ Fulcher here. Um, really excited. One to just uh, let our, our listeners learn a little bit more about Congressman Fulcher. Very well known, uh, but I uniquely, Russ, got to spend a lot of time with you and your family on the campaign trail over a couple of years. And uh, I think I know a little bit more than I did about the man behind the name. And so hopefully we get to that today. So thank you so much for being here with us. My pleasure. I just appreciate the opportunity.
1: Well, you've got a lot of things going on. Uh, How have you adjusted from being a candidate, a state senator, a businessman? uh, I'm trying to think a family man to a congressman. Has it hit you? You know, probably not, to be perfectly (laughs) honest. We're sort
0: of in that transition mode. And, uh, you know, when you're moving fast enough and and you're not paying attention to all the the telephone poles, they start looking like a picket fence after a while (laughs) when you're going fast enough. So to be perfectly honest, Kevin, probably not. Uh, we're in the midst of trying to transition from uh, from one office to another and get several regional offices put up and get some people hired and just try to put things in place so that the people of Idaho can have some continuous service through their congressional office. So it'll probably hit me about the middle of January when we're when we're there and and uh, back in D.C.
2: Russ, before we before we get into what's ahead and kind of maybe some comments that you have on on uh, what, what you're looking forward to in this new role. I wanted to maybe tell a little story about the first time we ever spent any, any time together as candidates. Back when I got into the, the gubernatorial race, you were already in as a candidate. Um, and uh, Brad Little was there as well and got a call from you and you said, hey, can I come can I come talk to you? Which just called me up and I said, absolutely. And I remember being so nervous when you came in because I, I knew you before, but not not well. And I thought, oh, here's a guy that I'm going to be in a race with. And uh, anyway, you came to my office, walked in, sat down. And I don't know if 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 that was my introduction to politics. And I thought, boy, that this is pretty great. I can tell you, it wasn't like that after we met. <laughs> <For> <laughs> I probably should have stopped right there, but because I, I want to tell you, you were you were so genuine and so kind, and so, and you made it clear, hey, it's going to be a race, but we talked about our families, we talked about the world, we talked about community, we talked about service. We talked about why we do what we do and what would compel us going from the business world into public service. And, and I just remember when you left thinking to myself, that is a really, really good guy, an honorable gentleman. Then we get out on the campaign together. And then after, after a while, you know, what happened, happened and I lost and you went on and became our next Congressman. But as we were on the campaign trail, I got to know your family, your, your kids and your wife. And I can tell you, there was never one moment in two years of meeting all sorts of people that I ever couldn't look you in the eye and think that is a, a great, great man, great family man. Your your family and your your and they're just amazing people. So I'm very happy that you're going to be representing us. But I, I just want people to know that because politics is a weird deal. I mean, you get into it, and there's all cor- sorts of people. Uh, but but I wanted to tell you thank you, <laughs> and let people know that we we've got a really. Good human being in Idaho, and that's going to be taking care of us.
0: If I can just say, I'm, I'm very, very honored by that, and probably not deserving, but I do remember that first meeting that we had too. And frankly, it was easy. And I, I have a special appreciation for people who are are willing to serve and and take it as a as in the mindset of being a servant. And you did, and that's really what I was trying to find out. I mean, we we'd probably met somewhere along the way. Uh, but didn't really have a good conversation. But I had a pretty good idea, Tommy, to be honest, because we've got some mutual friends and people that I respect, people that you respect, and they had told me, "Look, this this all was guy. Uh, he's a real deal, and he what he does, he's doing it for genuine purposes." And uh, and you know, there's honestly having been around this game for a little while, both on the business side and the political side. There's not that many people who have been or are successful in, in one and the other and, and successful in business, for example, like you've been and even want to engage in public service. That is a special thing. And, and you, we're doing it for the right reasons. And so uh, that was easy. And um, I was it was honored to, an honor to meet you and get to know you a little bit better. But uh, more importantly, I think the people of Idaho ultimately win as a, as a result of what you do. And and uh, uh, you know what? Our, our paths are going to continue to cross in the in the future.
2: Anyway, let's get into it. Uh, I was back in Washington, D.C. a couple weeks ago. Saw all the desks empty down into the hallway. There's a big transition happening. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what it means to transition into the role of congressman? All of the staff you have to get going and, and what, what's on your mind every day? As you ramp up here and you get ready to take over,
0: yeah. So uh, there's there's going to be four uh, congressional offices in Idaho's first congressional district, and uh, and that's that's kind of been the norm over the course of time. But but like with any new organization, I kind of like to have my own people, and um, uh, uh, just you you relate on the business front when you when you build a team, you want to be able to hire who you want and be comfortable in that environment. And uh, so, uh, so largely it's going to be a, a, a new staff, so we, we needed to staff those various offices. And we're really close with some really good people on that. Uh, the Washington, D.C. office will have about eight people in it. The, uh, we'll have a, uh, kind of our main Idaho office will be in Meridian. That'll have a, about six or so. Then we'll have two or three in Coeur d'Alene, and we'll have one in Lewiston.
2: could could you tell for people that don't know who your key key uh staffers are
0: yeah and so we're going to make a formal announcement uh uh, next week but we're what we're doing uh tommy is is we're going to try to uh make the dc office kind of idaho centric and there's there's a lot of debate should you have more dc people should you have more idaho people i want idaho influence but i also want some recent experience on the hill and so uh, there's going to be there's going to be uh, three or four people moving from Boise to Washington D.C. and uh, we're going to formally announce that probably next week. But uh, a couple of critical maneuvers were to get some people with recent Washington D.C. experience. And so there's a gentleman that that most people in Idaho don't know, but his name is Andrew Neal, and he was the um, uh, policy director for Kathy Morris Rogers who is a uh, representative uh, in in our neighboring district in Eastern Washington and he's been working for her for about four years and and uh, he's gonna be our legislative director one of the re- and he's a very very sharp guy and one of the reasons that I wanted him is not only the, uh, the his experience but his brother uh, Jamie Neal is congressman Simpsons legislative director and so there, it kind of gives us a little bit of a tie And so uh, we're in the process of making that transition, staffing in those various offices and then just going through the the mechanics. Uh, I just walked into a beautiful building that that you have in in your offices and you were saying, hey, you know, we're just moving in and we're going to be for a while. That's kind of where we're at, only it's on a congressional front and going through making sure the phones work and making sure the computers work and all that kind of stuff. So largely administrative right now. Uh, but, uh, I, am afraid we're gonna be jumping into politics here, uh, within just a few <laughs> days. So,
1: you know, Ross, um, with respect to, to Tommy and to you, um, how did you see the governor's race? You know, from um, your perspective,
0: the, uh, what happened there was a, uh, an interesting cycle. And as you know, I was initially in that and I was a candidate in 2014 and, uh, without saying too much. It was actually, in hindsight, it was my race in 2014 that probably, well, uh, it clearly laid the groundwork so that in a congressional race we were we were very very strong, and uh, but in, in a governor's race, like Tommy said, you know, you get to know people, and you get to see what's under the hood just a little bit, and uh, and I, I thought that there was a very good lineup of people that had varying backgrounds and what Tommy brought to this whole thing was a business acumen that uh, that no one else really had and uh, you know uh, Brad he he he, he brought uh, forward the acumen from a ranching perspective and and being in in the legislative environment and whatnot and of course uh, Congressman Labrador was he was uh, bringing the perspective of a uh, of a legislator and somebody from the, the with federal experience. Sure. So you take those three, and there's a there's a a, a pretty daunting uh, group of people. But I think the overall overriding uh, overriding thing for me, Kevin, was thinking, all right, it's a blessing when you have multiple people that are a willing to do those those kind of jobs. And uh, B, bring to the table what everybody collectively did. And uh, uh, we've all been around plenty of political races where you look at the candidates, you go, oh, my gosh. Um, you know, this is truly the lesser of the evils. In in Idaho, for the most part, we've been blessed with having people willing to do those jobs and having choices.
1: Sure. What did you think of the governor's race? I mean, the tone there was, I mean, Russ Fulcher comes in and you have a good talk and you think you're going to have a good time with him on the trail. And then
2: it was the most competitive race we've ever seen. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's um, it's politics. It's a lot at stake and passionate teams. And I think what Russia said, you get to know everyone really well. And it's a good thing that during the race, you know, the candidates too, because a lot of the rhetoric and things that happen surround those candidates with teams is where it kind of gets heated. But There's a lot on the line, and it's probably been been seven or eight months now, Kevin. Right, (laughs) I'm a lot more healed, but it's hard to lose, right, Russ? I mean, you, I've been there. You've been there, and you and you Mm -hmm. you kind of step back and go, what 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 just happened? And and then you you do. I've always said, after it's over, um, win or lose, what what defines us in life is how we react to what happens to us. And so I think you take the, the tremendous things you learn and the relationships and the good. And you build on that. Right. And I think that's uh, I think that's what you did after your first race um, against Governor Otter. And and look at look now where you are. And I think that's that's what we've done in the business world. Certainly learn a lot. You, you learn a lot about yourself. Oh, yeah. You learn a lot about yourself yeah. and you learn a lot about people that are around you. Uh, nothing defines relationships like primary elections. You know, I don't know how you felt, uh, but I can tell you from my
0: perspective, when I when I came up a little bit short in the 14 race, It really didn't bother me personally, but what hurt me was seeing how some of those really strong supporters,
2: (laughs) how, how, how they took it so hard and that was harder than it's a, uh, it's a feeling that I don't know unless you've done it like we have that you can describe because it's not, you just feel bad. You couldn't have done more, but you feel guilty that oh, I yeah. wish I would have won. It's, it's guilt's probably not the word, right word. You're sad. You, you're disappointed and you, and you lay in bed and think, what well, what more could I have done? Did I make a mistake? I let them down. I let someone down and it just, and then you go yeah. back in the campaign office and it's empty and everyone moves on and you're, and you're like, wow, what just happened? Right. It, it's a yeah. different feeling. It and is. I think you learn from it. You do. You, you do grow from am. it, but you can't describe it unless you've been through it. Yeah. And, uh, so many people put so much
0: out there on your, oh. it's humbling when you see other people work so hard on your behalf and you, you want to perform for them. You want to win for them, you know? And so, yeah, that
1: was the hardest thing for me. Recovering from 2014,
0: uh, consoling and working with the people who had, who had supported me in 2014. Right. That and, was you didn't, the most and you didn't stop. No. And you know, but uh, and I know I believe that, that Tommy is probably seeing the same thing, and if not, I believe you will. And that is, is that the 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 network that you build, the friendships you garner, the trust that you earn doesn't go away. And sure, if you do stupid things long enough, you can lose it. But you know what? Uh, it's such an honor to be able to say, you know what, I can pretty much go into any town in this state and I know somebody and I know their story. And I know, I I know uh, some of the things that have made them successful and some of the things that make them hurt because they told me that. And you know what, that's a lifelong benefit that that you'll never forget.
2: You just said something that um, I've thought of, but I haven't really verbalized, but I didn't realize, I think in, in private life, when you serve in different capacities, sometimes you serve in your church or you serve in your community. There, there's a sacred place that people have, and that's their, their living room of their home, right? I mean, that's just, it's your home. And you, you get invited into someone's home to help them and serve them. When you just said that, I realized that you could go in any any nook and cranny of this state. And for both Russ and I, we have been in those homes. We've sat in those living rooms in almost every town. And, and that is sacred that you have. Th- that's the level of relationship of people that trust you, that were behind you, that supported you. Sometimes over and over and over again, you're back in those homes over, over a two-year period. Pretty special experience to have. Pretty yep. special and, experience. And, uh,
0: and that will never go away. Yep. And those relationships will always be there. So, you know, I, uh, I'm a competitive guy. I know Tommy's a competitive guy. Uh, and nobody ever likes to lose, but uh, you know. Uh, at the same time, uh, there's there's things that can never be taken away, if you do lose. And I'm I'm reminded, uh, and it, there's a, a a quote, a very famous one. It's a Theodore Roosevelt quote: the, "The man in the arena, yeah. basically is even if you even if you do engage and you come up short, uh, that you you at least." Or uh, uh, there's, there's an elaborate way of saying it in the quote, but it's uh, you're not one of those timid souls who knows neither victory nor defeat because you were at least in the arena. And so, you know what? Uh, there's something to be said for that. So um, I'm thankful. And you're a better person. And I, I think, uh, you know, after going through that and recovering from it.
1: You know, you you've been known as a very humble person. What's the source of your humility?
0: Well, uh, I got I, I've been blessed, and I and I know I've been blessed. Um, I if I were if I were dead tomorrow, I've lived more than anybody that I know, and uh, it's be, because that it, uh, I think I think God has. Has has just chosen to allow me to have favor, you know, and uh, and so many good people have been around me. Uh, so much of any success I've had is not my own doing. It's people around me. It's uh, it's either it's either family or it's uh, you know some very talented personnel in the business community or uh, you know uh, just trying to be faithful to God's direction in your life and. And allowing him to to uh, provide that blessing, but I'm a very thankful person, and uh, and I know that left to my own devices, I can mess stuff up really easy. Uh, but if I have the right people around me, uh, and there and there's accountability, then you know what? Collectively, we generally do the right thing. But it's I've I've had too many I've had too many blessings, Kevin, that that weren't of my own doing to not be thankful and humble about that.
2: Russ, can I ask you one other question related to that? Um, on the campaign trail, certainly saw your family a lot, and I know you draw a lot of strength from God and from your family. Can you can you share um, what they mean to you? Oh my gosh, I you know. Um,
0: I know you've got kids, and uh, and and you've you've stood in my shoes in that regard, and uh, uh, you just simply can't function without them. Uh, and and you know what, Tommy, I'll share something with you. Um, this campaign and the events that surrounded it have been one of the most difficult on my wife. And to see, you know, it's one thing if you're a candidate. When you take hits, or you take criticism, or you uh, take um, uh, negative messages, but it's another thing when it carries over to your kids or your family, and uh, and that definitely had happened in our life, and it's had a it's had a big impact. And you know, frankly, we're still trying to recover from some of that, and uh, you can't do it. I I can't do it without them. And, um, uh, and my guess is that you couldn't either. And so that's a, that's a source of strength. I think God gives us and that responsibility as well.
2: You know, as you, as you talk about that, people have asked me what was the hardest thing. And it's a weird thing because when you, when you get into politics, you ask for it. And I think that that removes barriers that are common decencies from a lot of people where they say, Hey, you asked for it. You know, Russ, if you wouldn't have run, you know, you asked for it. So I'm going to let you have it. But what you don't ask for is the, the just the treatment of your family sometimes that happens through these things. And boy, I'll tell you nothing, nothing would just get right down to my <laughs> core when you just think, are really it's my kids, right? Why, why would you do that? And it, that's probably the hardest thing for me was to say, yeah, I might've asked for it because I thought it was important to serve, but boy, some common decencies go out the window. Those are oh, tough, agree. tough to I, deal with, what, right? I think
0: it keeps a lot of good people out yeah, of, I, doing, I of trying to do these jobs yeah. and, uh, because there is a cost. And, uh, you know, um, uh, you, you have to have a heart for it. You have to be willing to, to want to serve. And uh, you can tell people. Uh, you, can, you, you can, I spent 10 years in the Idaho legislature and I, at that time, with all the personalities there, I could pretty much tell you, with pretty high degree of confidence, here's a motivation for 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 this person, and here's what it is for this person. There are some that are there truly because they want to do the right thing, and and they're just trying to help. Their they want they're there to serve. There's also a percentage that are there for that's that's their identity, and and they they want that title, and you get to know that pretty quick but that was one of the things about you. And I could tell that from the very first time we talked about it, you weren't there for the title. You had one of those, right? You've got those before and me too. It's trying to you're there because you're trying to do the right thing.
1: That's great. Okay. Now this is a good one. (laughs) So we all know of Russ Fulcher of working in the state Senate of being a successful real estate or realtor, commercial real estate, working behind the scenes, now congressman, but in his prior life that he has never really revealed. He worked for Micron and had some high-level negotiations with the Mr. Steve Jobs, and I've never, ever gotten him to give us a good Steve Jobs story.
0: Well, uh, it, at the time, it wasn't real high-level because we were so small, <laughs> and so were they. Uh, you know uh, in the very, very very early days at Micron, we really only had one significant customer at the time and and it was because uh, no nobody else in the business would really sell to them because they were viewed as crazy i mean there's this there's this guy in cupertillo, California who cupertino california who um, he had this crazy idea that he was going to stick a, a, a computer in every house in America. nuts. Who would ever think that, right? And then there was this equally, if not more crazy, group of guys in the desert outside Boise who had the nerve to think that they could build one of the most complex computer chips on the planet in a desert of a farm town, right? So nobody else would, would, nobody would really want to buy from them and nobody would want to sell to this crazy guy and so uh, it was wasn't me that started it, but there was a, a relationship that got formed between Micron and Apple Computer in the very early days. And uh, there was a number of us that had the responsibility of just trying to keep the wheels on the bus of that. And uh, and I can tell you that 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 company was not easy to deal with very, very small, just a handful of people on both sides but uh steve jobs was not an easy guy to deal with uh he's a very degrading <laughs> individual uh you didn't have a positive meeting with him at least as a supplier you didn't have a positive meeting with him or at least i didn't uh we would go out of our way to try to bypass him and go to there was a guy that nickname was Waz. it was steve wozniak who was a great guy and he was kind of the more of the engineering mindset of the whole thing but um uh, I haven't seen the the, the Steve Jobs biopics, but I've been told that uh, he's not portrayed as a real loving individual and and he wasn't uh, at least from my perspective, you know the perspective I had was here was a guy who clearly was very, very bright. he had a he had a vision uh, that most people don't have. He knew what you wanted in a device or in a uh, I'm holding a, a a cell phone here he knew what what uh, people people wanted before they did, and uh, uh, but yet his personal life was a disaster, and 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 his 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 staff was a turnstile, and so and there was another one, Kevin, and his name was Jack Tramiel, and Jack Tramiel was was uh, uh, he was he was one of the founders of uh, I think it was uh, Commodore Computer, if you remember them, and and uh, Atari the game. And similar type personality, and so, and in dealing with them, which was not a pleasant thing, I I can't help but try to make a parallel. Is it possible that's the same mindset that President Trump has? Okay, he's got a vision. He's very driven. His personal life and his staffing and his you know it's kind of a turnstile, right? But yet he's got a he's got this vision. He's got this knack for seeing what needs to happen, what needs to be done in order to, to reach the goal. And and he looks at the world as a cost center or a profit center. It's either it's either a positive thing or it's a negative thing, and there's not a whole lot of gray area. So in a very strange way, I think that maybe maybe those early days of interacting with that mindset, like a Jobs or like a Tramiel, might give me a little, just a snippet of insight <laughs> on what it might be like to be in the president's mind.
2: It's a great transition. A lot of things going on in our country right now. You're headed back there to lead us. What do you see as some of the, the early or the biggest challenges and what, what's in your, what's in your mind right now? I'm trying to go underneath the issues and say, yeah. what, what does Russ think about when you lay in bed at night? Uh, what, what are those issues that are, that are keeping you up? I got, I got, um, I'm a freshman congressman,
0: in the minority party uh, who is not likely to be uh, receiving uh, a lot of interaction from the new speaker or and, and she's not likely to be seeking my counsel anytime soon and uh, 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 Tommy I've, I've never I've been in the political realm at the state level but I've never functioned in the minority and and I realize that if there's going to be anything done and it's going to be uh, significant on behalf of the constituents who put me in place, it's probably going to have to be one of two things. The first one would be the uh, the role that, that I play in facilitating very good constituent service at the state level. As we talked about earlier, we got three offices, and, um, and a lot of people depend on the congressional staff When they have an issue with their Medicare coverage, or with their veteran service, or trying to obtain a passport quick, or all those types of navigating the morass, and it is exactly that of seemingly endless federal bureaucracy. And so, to the extent we can facilitate a a a group that can help people navigate that, you know, BLM allotments or you know, EPA issue, whatever. Second thing is. I have to become an expert on congressional rules, Uh, and the reason is, and I'm going to be forced to do that, and so that's the other thing I can do is I can basically memorize a rule book, and here's why, Um, because I'm a freshman in the minority, and I won't have a chairman on my side, and I won't have a speaker on my side in most situations, then I need to know how to insert an amendment in a in a uh, procedural way i need to be able to maneuver and navigate that those rules so that um so that uh, you can be effective without being the point of the spear on stuff and the other and there's one other thing i need to be able to build relationships i um you know instead of instead of negotiating for the from the point of strength you know like you you typically are in the majority then you have to build relationships and credibility with people that Maybe look at you twice because you got an R behind your name in this case. So those are kind of the dynamics we got. You know, sorry to ramble, but there's one other thing that I think comes out of this. It also means that Idaho's congressional delegation needs to be in sync a little bit more. And we've only got four bodies back there. And uh, and so if we're going to leverage that influence whatever however big or however small we need to be synchronized a little bit better and so there's some good things that'll come out of it but those are the things i think about um as we we start this
2: journey you've spent more time back there recently getting ready for this i was telling you i was there last week and just in a day there it's a different place russ i mean (laughs) i mean here we are Idaho and you know, we think treasure Valley is big and busy in politics in Idaho. It's nothing. I was, I was e- eating breakfast at the hotel and just the, the, the conversations going on and the people that were there. And, well, I couldn't wait to get out any worries about you're going to spend a lot of time uh, back East. It's a different pace. It's a different set of, of rules uh, in politics back there. What, 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 what it's going through your mind on those issues? You know, um,
0: I've spent uh, over my business life and and somewhat legislative life, I have spent a fair amount of time there, but it's changed to your point. And uh, Tommy, I I don't know, um, I I guess I wasn't really quite prepared to see uh, armed officers with automatic weapons uh, walking around the Capitol or or standing out in front of the Capitol. that to me is, was not reminiscent of the United States of America. That was more reminiscent of Honduras or of, of, uh, the Middle East, you know? And so that probably, uh, that was just disappointing, I guess. But, but it does kind of jolt you into the, to the, the, the reality of this is where we are right now. And, um, I'm, I'm, that said, I think I can adjust to that. And I think, I think I can adjust to the, uh, j- just knowing that there's corruption and you're, look, you're watching your back, you know, I think I can adjust to that. My biggest, my biggest fear is, is uh, doing something wrong because I wasn't properly educated. Because I wasn't properly prepared, and uh, I think at one point in time, Kevin, you and I talked about this. It, you, and, a, and, a, and a coach will, will often tell his team: a lot of people have the the will to win, but do you have the will to prepare to win? And that's kind of where I'm at right now. I, I'm trying to prepare to win, and and you and and you want to be educated, and you want to be very very conscientious about all the issues that come along and. And that's, that's my biggest fear, I think, uh, Tommy, and probably what I am most concerned about.
2: Well, as a guy that voted for you and as a guy that you'll be representing, I feel really good (laughs) just hearing you talk today. I'm glad it's you because you know, it is a, it's a challenging world we live in. It's a challenging environment back there and can't think of a better guy that to be back there, uh, representing us.
1: Oh, you'll love this one. So, uh, Russ, tell us a little bit about apartment hunting. It's been a while since you've, <laughs> you've been uh, you know, looking for, you know, here in Idaho, people are looking for houses and businesses. And all of a sudden, as a freshman congressman, you're on the other end of that. You're, you're looking for a place. Uh, how, how's the value for your investment there?
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you the, uh, the, uh, just a super quick story. So when I was doing my administrative sign-in, you know, basically the human resource component of the job, uh, the lady that was that was doing my paperwork says, uh, "So, Mr. Fulcher, uh, uh, will you be living here?" And I said, uh, uh, "Yes, I, I'm. I'm. I'm looking for an apartment now." But uh, and no, she says, "No, no, no. Will you be living here? Here, like in the building, right in your office?" And I said, "Oh no, ma'am. I um, I've got to get out of this building." She says, "Well, more than a hundred of your colleagues will be." And so the reality is more than 100 senators and US congressmen physically live in their office. Now, I don't know if you've been in these offices much, but uh, it's at least from my vantage point, it's not where I wanna live, okay, for a number of reasons. But uh, you know, it, it, I can tell you one reason why in uh, uh, about my experience in the, in the apartment hunt I actually succeeded. I have a a 500 square foot studio apartment. That's about eight blocks from the Capitol for a mere 2,500 a month. Mm. And um, to be perfectly blunt, I was happy to find it. And uh, if I want to get in a bar fight, I can probably do that by just stepping outside the front door. (laughs) So, uh, so, I mean, it's, but it's the, the nature of the beast is, is just massively expensive. But you know, the other thing that, that the apartment hunt taught me, Kevin, was, was more about, about the swamp because I got offered right out of the chute a couple of fabulous deals on some really nice townhomes one or two blocks away from the Capitol for a, a, a third of that number. And I thought, wow, this is really, really cool who are these nice guys that are offering that? <laughs> well, they just happen to be from the lobby core and, uh, uh and that's how, that's how, that, that's how the swamp works. Okay. Uh, and, and so if I would have taken one of those deals, uh, then I got somebody who, who feels like they got me in their pocket. And so it, there's an education that comes with everything, but it's a very expensive place to live. We don't hear that a lot.
2: Tommy, you know about real estate values. Yeah. It's uh, it's just a different world back there, isn't it? Um, what, what about your family, uh, with you moving, moving back and going to spend a lot of time back there and how's that adjustment going to be for you? You
0: know, uh, I, in, in the last, in the last year and a half, two years, uh, all of my, all of my children have, have grown up and moved out and, and, uh, and 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 I get to work with two of them. By the way, my my daughter is uh, she's she works on the campaign and and will continue to do that with a two year term. I got to keep some of that going. Uh, my son, I'm so thankful for him. He's a very young guy, but he's transitioning to the commercial real estate world and he's taken over the the stuff that I I had in in that in the clientele in that arena. Uh, but. No, this is the, and, and, uh, and, 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 as I just, as I've mentioned earlier, this has been very, very difficult on, uh, uh, on, on the marriage, that whole scenario, it just, it just really has. And so uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be going back and forth a lot and uh, I, it's, and it won't be every week, uh, but it will be a lot. And uh, so that, that whole, that whole arrangement is, uh, is going to be one based on mobility and, I, you know, like you, uh, I, it's, travel is not a real stranger to me. I mean, in the Micron years, I, in the technology years, that was a kind of life on an airplane. And so, um, but it's going to be based on mobility and just a lot of bouncing back and forth and a lot of frequent flyer miles.
1: Uh-huh. You know, building on what Tommy said about your family, what was it like for you as a dad to take direction from your daughter? <laughs> well... <laughs> Uh, two things
2: well if you know Megan uh, you, you, you listen to her first of all let me tell you that uh, you know
0: uh, two things one is I watched a young uh, 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 a young lady turn into a young woman and I'm not just saying that uh, she she matured. And as a father, uh, uh, to watch that, when, when I, frankly, I reluctantly brought her on the campaign at all. Uh, it, it, was, it was, she was going to, you know, just do some, some minor administrative things. And then the next thing I know, uh, all of a sudden, boom, she, she's the one who, she's the doer. And you know the doers, right? You see them and when the fire in the belly engages, you know, okay, that person, they're going someplace and, and, and they just do stuff. Well, that's what happened. She was just doing a very minor administrative role. And the next thing I know, she's running the doggone thing. Right. And so, uh, and I, and I was reluctant to call her campaign manager because I, she was my daughter. And I, and all of a sudden he said, wait a minute, she's the one who's doing his job. And she's, I mean, uh, and the, the people that, that in, in some cases we had, you know, arranged to give her direction, the the roles had reversed. And so we changed the structure. She did run that campaign. And when I say she ran it, she ran it. And, uh, uh, and I hate to say it, uh, maybe I shouldn't say it, there's a microphone here, but I will. Uh, Her judgment on campaign related things turned out to be very, very good. And as, you know, uh, the, the candidate is not always the best person to make certain judgments. You mean it gets emotional sometimes? <laughs> and, uh, and, and in my case, she she, um, uh, she grew into and she found something. She absolutely loves, loves it. And mm-hmm. so I'm not sure exactly where her career is going to take her, but it's going to involve the political environment in some fashion because she, she, she loves it. She's good at it. And uh, yes, I did take direction from her, and I do.
1: And Russ, finally, what inspires you?
0: Uh, oh, a number of things, Kevin. But I'll, I'll tell you just a, a super quick story. Um, I family issues make me emotional. Uh, patriotic issues make me emotional. Um, to see, to see a young lady. Uh, mature and grow up and 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 really come into her own that inspires me uh, to see, see to see a person not just my daughter but see a person develop when you're talking I'll bet you saw this Tommy when you're talking to a classroom of students as a political candidate or a, a, or as a businessman and you see that light switch on when you when you made a contact or any, uh, a town hall meeting at a, at a meet and greet and, and, and all of a sudden, boom, somebody goes, yeah, I got it. I, it, I, I know why you're doing that. Uh, when you see a business deal where, where, where it, it just comes together for all the right reasons and, and multiple people benefit as a result of that, that's inspiring. Um, when when you uh, when I when I walked into that house chamber for the first time in orientation. uh, Same house chamber has been there since about 1860. And all of a sudden, I started thinking, okay, that's going to be my seat. And there were some really good people that came here before I did. And there's going to be some really good people that come here after I leave. And That inspires me because, you know, a a lot of people literally bled so that you, Kevin, Tommy, me could sit around and we could have a conversation about this in an environment that generally still has some free market components to it and, and a few liberties. Right. And if it wouldn't have been for those people who were willing to literally bleed for that, we wouldn't be here. That inspires me but it also makes me feel a little bit responsible responsible. Okay. You know,
2: it's my job to try to keep that and improve that. Well, Russ, thank you for being here today. I, I hope that many people who listen to these uh, podcasts, I, I think we, we got a really good glimpse into a really amazing leader. And so thank you for inspiring me and thank you for inspiring the people of Idaho. And thank you for serving us. Um, Our prayers and thoughts will be with you and your your family as you serve us. And if there's anything we could ever do for you, let us know. But express your love to your family for for what they do. And and, uh, thank you very much. And strive for excellence.
0: You've been listening to the Inspire Excellence
1: podcast. We invite you to find something that inspires you this week. Join us again for our next episode.